0: Good morning, and thank you, Ruth, for leading us in worship. If you are able to stand, I invite you to do so as we sing together, Crown Him Lord of All.
1: first baptist church sun city west it's good to see you this morning and hearing just beautiful beautiful sounds coming from each and every one of you giving god the glory and crown him him one and only if this is the very first time for you to be here we'd love for you to take the guest card in the pew in front of you if you haven't already been given one fill it out in its entirety and when you leave today, if you drop it in one of the offering boxes at uh, one of the exits, we would certainly appreciate that so we could acknowledge your being with us this coming week. And Right now, I'd like to ask you, if you would, join me in a time of prayer as we focus our attention upon God, the one that we have come to worship. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you have given us this morning. Because around the world, there are not places, people, there are places that small clusters, individuals can lift up their voices to you, but not as a congregation. And so help us to take this time and this privilege and to take this opportunity To prepare ourselves to worship the creator, you God, the one who spoke everything into existence out of absolutely nothing. The one who is sovereign. The one whose providential care watches out for each and every one of us. Just like you do the birds of the sky. With the knowledge of the numbers on our heads. You care for us individually you allow us the ability to have a personal relationship a growing living intimate relationship with you and father today we come together as the body of Christ to thank you and to give you all honor and praise and glory so help us this morning to participate help us this morning to realize how blessed we are and this morning help us to be sensitive to your spirit it's in Jesus' name we pray amen there's about a 45 second video I want you to see it is uh, the Asante church plant that we have come alongside and partnered over the last two or three years it launched this past January they had their very first vacation bible school Uh, This past week, I want you to see how exciting that VBS was. It's hard to get a church plan off the ground, but they discovered 22 they had not been able to touch in their community before. So see what goes on, and uh, you continue to pray for Asante Church.
2: Get in the, mix. the little party's hoppin' Get in the mix everybody say it's time to press play Get in the little is dropping Get in the mix Teters dropping Get in the mix everybody say It's time to fresh play Press play oh oh oh. Press play. Oh, oh 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 press play Jesus we know we've been longing because of the your hands like this, have confidence to get in the mix, clap your hands like this, have confidence to get in the mix, now clap your hands like this,
0: this. oh to be young again, they'll know we're Christians.
3: There is only one God and he's in control that's something we must always remember I'd like to read the verse right now from Isaiah 41 verses 10 and verse 13 verse 10 says this verse 10 of uh, 41 so for I am with you do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In verse 13, for I am the Lord your God, who takes a hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. For I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Let us pray. Most High God, you are our source of peace and our Redeemer. And we come into your presence as your children, asking you to impart to us the strength needed to face life circumstances without fear. Cleanse and purify us, Father, of our physical, mental, and spiritual ills. We claim the promises of your word that it has given us in Isaiah 43, 1-3, where you said, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you I have summed you by name. You are mine. When the waters through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. In Jeremiah, verse 15, I'm in mean chapter 15 verses 19 through 21. The Lord says, If you repent, I will restore you, and you may serve me. If you are utter worthy and worth, I'm not worthless words, you will be my spokesman Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue and to save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and deliver you from the grasp of the cruel. Father God, every day, we may be standing firm, may we be standing firm in the wall clad in the armor you have given us, picking up the shield of faith and the sword of your word and following the Holy Spirit as our guide so that our lives will inspire others to come to you. Now may the Holy Spirit fill this house and anoint this service. May a double portion be given to our pastor as he brings your message to us. Lord, give us eyes to see and stay on the path to you. Give us ears that hear and discern the truth of your word. And give us tongues to proclaim the eternal life promised to all who believe in your son, Jesus. May each of us leave this service knowing that we have met with our God today. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, that old Gaither tune that we all enjoy singing.
2: Let's join together. Thank you.
1: Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as a chief cornerstone. The word of God. i love that song i don't know if you saw some of the expressions on the choir members as they were singing that It looked pretty excited to me (laughs) jim thank you for reading our scripture there's no place like home who can remember the nineteen thirty nine movie wizard of oz when dorothy judy garland made that statement y'all remember that yeah. That phrase, it wasn't uh, unique to that movie. <clears throat> There's a song, Home Sweet Home, or a song like That There's No Place Like Home, back in the, uh, in the 19th century. It <clears throat> goes back even farther to England sometime in the 18th century and probably from the early dawns of time. There's no place like home. Debbie and I were talking the other day um, where are we going to be buried? what 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 should we do where where is our home so that we can we can make sure that we buy our, our burial lots where we call home you say well, you're pretty young for that but you never know but at some point it's going to happen right most people kind of think about where their home is both of my parents they are uh, buried in the national cemetery in new mexico um, Debbie's parents are buried in the National Cemetery in Florida so we can't be around them she was a military uh, kid so they moved all the time I was a preacher's kid so we moved all the time so there's not really any place that we call home so I think we decided that we'll just find a place here this is pretty much where we're going to stay home. But more importantly, it's not necessarily the location, although that is part of the feeling of home. But there are some characteristics that a home has that I think are important. For most of us, we have that sense, that understanding of home was a place where we felt nurtured. We felt encouraged. We felt uh, love. We felt cared for, protected. For most of us. The reflection of thinking about home, it brings back maybe some emotions. By the same token, many of us have an image of an idealized New Testament church as a place where Everyone cared about everyone else. Nobody fell through the cracks. The believers gathered together as a true, intentional community of faith. In today's world, that might translate as a community where everybody in the congregation is good friends, where people don't live far from each other, where um, holidays and maybe hand tools are shared, and where age is valued. Such an ideal is hard to come by. We live in an age of increased individualism here in our society. Decades ago, uh, bowling leagues, uh, service clubs, civic uh, groups, uh, neighborhood circles, they thrived. People loved those. I think that's one great benefit to folks wanting to come and live in the Sun Cities areas because those kinds of clubs and things are really cherished. And provide it but as we look at our nation we find that most of those kinds of clubs they are striving to just stay above water they, they don't have the participation they used to have but that longing hasn't gone away George Gallup once called Americans the loneliest people on earth as much as we want to connect we still want our space I don't know if you've noticed or not i have uh, seen as houses are sold here in sun city west as i drive around that there are more and more people that are building fences where there weren't fences before i talked to one contractor he said that's what we focus on now we don't focus on all the other things we're just focusing on fences because there's so much demand ben, uh, demand for them in a survey of 10,000 americans in january of 2020 of those who were surveyed, almost three out of five Americans, said they were lonely. The major group, the number one group, was Gen Z, the 18 to 22 year olds. The next group was men. You know, while the world may be cold and uncaring, we think that the church should be different. Jesus loves us, the church belongs to him, so the church must love us, right? But many of us, I think, over the course of time, could echo the words of the lady who said, I love my church, but I long to feel at home there. We are Christ's church. Jesus gave a very new meaning to that term family. You think of him looking down from the cross in unimaginable pain. And John tells his own story from John chapter 19. He says, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home family home being taken in and loved and cared for those are the kinds of things that we think of when we think about a home when we think about a church home this is the first of two sermons that deal with a church that feels like home the apostle paul who was the apostle to the outsiders understood And he paints this incredible picture that God intends. And Jim read that just a few moments ago. Listen again. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. I like that phrase, God's own household. Jesus is the cornerstone, laid upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. He says, you to to the church at Ephesus, those who came out of secular society, giving their life to Christ, coming back in to God's own people, God's household. He says, listen, you are no longer an outsider. You should be part of God's family if that's the picture God intends then how come there are people that just feel like the church is not a place that feels like home and I'm reflecting back over some almost 40 years of pastoral ministry the church needs to be a place that embraces the seven characteristics I want to talk about today And next Sunday. This morning, I want to address three of those that can help us to make sure that we are a a place as a church that feels like home. First, I think the key element is that it is God centered. The people of God need to know from their innermost being that there is one God and only one God. Faith in God is meant to be a living relationship with the totality of our life. A living relationship, not something that we reflect on in the past, but something that continues on. It is continual and ever-deepening. Faith is not an isolated item of intellectual belief stored up in the recesses of our mind. Nor is faith in God performing certain rituals of adopting uncommitted lifestyles by his followers. He wants us to organize our entire lives and the life of the body of Christ around his sovereign lordship and love him and obey him with the totality of who we are. If you remember it was Samuel that said to Saul in 1 Samuel 15:22, obedience is greater than sacrifice. What God desires is obedience that he becomes he becomes the center of our world in fact jesus said in john chapter 14 and verse 15 if you love me you will keep my command you know our love for god has got to be complete our love for god must be an all-encompassing love a deep down dedication one that says you know, when I get up in the morning, God is the first thing I think of. God, I want to do your will today. It's not about our agenda for the day. It's not about i got to get these items taken care of, all these errands done. It is when we get up and we say, God, I'm your servant. I want, I want my life today to be centered around you and your desire and so whatever i do today i want to glorify you i think it needs to be on your heart not simply a nice sounding religious idea in our mind or following through with some kind of a ritual i think one of the greatest privileges that we have all had in our families at least most of us is that we've been given both as as families and as a church over the years the responsibility of nurturing children in the faith or our grandchildren in the faith or our great children grandchildren in the faith through God-centered teaching you say well you know I never had kids I'm thinking of Owen Harris our beloved organist I think about 10 maybe 11 years ago now Owen came across little four-year-old Sasha he kind of adopted her now you can imagine that that the parents of that four-year-old and that uh, in that place where they were living when they saw this uh, this older gentleman talking to their four-year-old on the sidewalk they got a little concerned right And they were out there in a flash but Owen adopted that entire family and he he invested In that little girl and in that family my understanding and I saw it a little bit when I first came as they became Sasha became a teenager but my understanding is that she would sit over there and and uh, when he would play the organ sometimes she'd run over there and sit right with him her parents wouldn't be here and but he invested we we have that kind of ability all of us to invest in children and we must take on that responsibility. It's a sacred obligation. I think the word of God is to be quoted, explained, discussed, symbolized, and written down, and most important, it's supposed to be written on our heart. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter six and verse six, it's supposed to be incorporated into that child's life, but I think if we are going to incorporate it and invest it into the life of a child or a grandchild or a great grandchild, we must first invest it in ourselves. Would you believe that? The scripture states in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7, I want to use this one phrase, impress them, talking about the scripture, impress them upon your children. If you're going to impress them upon your children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren or some other child that you decide that you want to invest in, then first you must impress it upon the scripture, upon yourself. As seniors, that obligation continues to all, all of our families, it's talking about the learning of Scripture. That, that word impress has the idea of sharpened with intensity. And in fact, it could be translated intensely impress or sharpen. That means that it's not a casual reading. That means that when you go into the Scripture that Deuteronomy is talking about here, That is something that you are supposed to understand so that you can can allow it to integrate into your own mind, heart, and soul. So much so that it is just a natural reaction for you to share that and impress it upon children or other believers, helping them to grow in their faith. That's the idea. There's nothing passive about it. It's a very aggressive and assertive involvement in that educational process. And you do it with compassion and love. For some of us, that might mean that we must impress upon ourselves God's spirit and a more in-depth intimacy with God. A church that is God-centered is also going to fear the Lord, our God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13 gives us that command but it's it's not this idea of a fear like i'm frightened or i'm feeling uneasy or i'm afraid of god's presence that's not the idea behind it that idea of fear has the understanding of respect of reverence of awe have you ever been in the presence of god in your study and all of a sudden you just stop in your tracks and it's like This emotion, this feeling comes over you of the aweness of God. That's the idea here. It's holding him, his sovereign will, with the utmost respect, holding him to the highest regard, understanding there is only one God. And he, because of his compassionate care, chose to create us. I think when the church maintains a sincere fear awe of god there's something wonderful that begins to take place self-made pride and presumption decreases as the fear the aweness of god increases we understand that, that god is the only one who can do these things and so if he wants to use us fine if he doesn't want to use us fine but the most important thing is that god is odd is respected Is given an understanding that he is sovereign everything we do is to be God centered because we respect him too much to disregard his ways and disobey his will I think to be a church that feels like home we must be God centered allow him to be the Lord of our life secondly I think it's to be a place that is sacred God only established two institutions, the home and the church. He said in Ephesians chapter 5 through the Apostle Paul, verses 25 through 27, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without Stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless that's what that's what the lord wants the church to be you see the church was and continues to be blessed by jesus in fact if you go into the revelation those first three chapters we have jesus clearly commending the seven churches of asia minor for the things that he saw that they were doing well he commended them he cheered them on but there were things that he commanded them to adjust and change that they were doing incorrectly because he wanted them to be what Paul said in Ephesians 5, a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And you know what? He wants that for our He's the head of the church. And the church is his bride his bride whom he loves unconditionally the church which is made up of believers is to be set apart we call we call them saints people say i'm I'm no saint (laughs) but the reality is it just means to be set apart for him but there is this understanding of being sacred because jesus died for you he was raised up for you when you ask jesus christ to come into your life He comes in and he transforms your life. He eradicates your sin. He comes to live inside of you through the power of his Holy Spirit. So, my friends, you are set apart. You are a saint of God. And you are to live a life that is sacred. The writer of Hebrews stated in Hebrews 10.25, Let us not give up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another with all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, the writer of Hebrews was saying, listen, don't lose track of where, where you're going. There are some that through the excitement of accepting Christ and that those early days in the Christian life, that, that they, uh, they, they might have let the cares of the world begin to take a, a little bit out and they kinda, their ongoing, God-centered, focused time away. But he said, listen, don't give up meeting together. Meeting together as the family is so important. It was a rule in our house, maybe yours, that at least one meal every day had to be eaten at home around the table. There had to be conversation to take place. There had to be connection that took place. He wants us together. Because how can we not grow together as the body of Christ unless we're together accomplishing the things that God wants us to do? Why he established the church and didn't just say you know you're a believer now just go do your thing and just follow me he brought us together as a family of faith the church is a sacred place where there is refuge where there is hope where there's encouragement where there's unconditional love where there's grace where there's forgiveness it is a place where we must faithfully be to worship and to serve as a sacred commitment to God. It is a place that provides companionship and fellowship, where disciples are made and developed and where characters molded. It happens through the ministry of this body of Christ as we're together and then as we're scattered to the mission field of our everyday life. It should be a sacred place where the presence of god is it should be a place where we seek to please god as second corinthians 5 9 says paul says it is our goal to please him and so we think about the church it's to be a god-centered place if it's going to feel like home it's a sacred place set apart by jesus christ to accomplish The growing of the saints and the service in the ministry that he has called us to accomplish. And third, we find that it meets the needs of people. We have the incredible privilege, Debbie and me, of both of our children, when they got married, first my oldest daughter, Sarah, that when she and her husband got married, they got back from their honeymoon, they moved into our house. (laughs) They stayed there for a year. Why did we do that? It wasn't the best for them, definitely wasn't the best for us, but they needed to get their feet on the ground. When my youngest daughter got married, they lived in Houston. We got a call said, Mom, Dad, we think that we want to move to Phoenix. And we said, okay. They said, you think it's possible we could stay with you for a little while until we get our feet on the ground? Uh, Absolutely, because our, our house is a place where we are always going to welcome our children back, no matter what difficulties taking place. And I tell you what, they came, they lived with us for nine months, and it wasn't easy on us. And it certainly wasn't easy on them. I wouldn't recommend living with your in-laws for any length of time. (laughs) But those guys, they, they sucked it up and they did it, but it helped both of them. Like a godly home where you can always come back as a place of refuge when life gets difficult. I think the church should be a place where people can come as life is difficult a place of refuge, where needs are met, much like a hospital. We should never be a place where we think that somehow we're self-righteous. We have it so much better than everybody else. we got it cognitively, and we're just spiritually mature, and we just have the ability to, uh, to be an elite spiritually. We're more like that hospital. If you look at the ministry of Jesus... He actually had more confrontation with the spiritually elite than he ever had with those that he knelt down and touched, both by his teaching and the touch of his hand, his compassionate heart. One of the reasons that the early church grew so rapidly was that the world saw how they loved one another. They didn't always agree It wasn't this idea that that they were always on the same page, but they came together in this sense of unity because there was a higher purpose that God had left the church here for, to communicate the gospel, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and to be that outlet of service to try to be a lighthouse to the world, both in proclaiming the gospel and having compassionate care. People in the world that was a broken world at that time they saw these groups of people together and they saw how they loved one another even though they were different. Some were Jews, some were Gentiles. There was all kinds of different different, uh, uh, cultural, ethnic backgrounds together. They just came together because their common bond was Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the world wanted. They had needs to be met. they saw this is the place and that's why the church grew so rapidly in those early early decades you see there are some basic needs that people have that we as the church can address we need to meet the needs of people I think the spiritual need is the most vital because there is a God-shaped vacuum in every single soul that only God can fill and until that is filled by Jesus Christ the person will continue to search and look and under every single circumstance until that void is filled some do it in all kinds of intellectual ways or connecting with all kinds of different groups some do it through materialism some through do it through uh, uh, through some kind of chemical or or liquid substances but they're all searching they're looking somehow some way to meet this god the only one we need to be able to communicate the gospel of christ because we have the ability to share christ with them to bring this idea of how they can be saved and then take them and help them to grow and mature spiritually with their intimacy before god disciple making is such a critical aspect as we bring them into salvation and help them to understand what a true disciple is we should also help people with the basic need to connect with other people. I think that's, over the years, one of the reasons that thing, uh, gr- groups like Promise Keepers or Accountability Groups or Ladies' Fellowship Groups, uh, life groups have soared in popularity because there is this need to connect on a deeper level. We've got to be ready to help with their physical and emotional needs of people. When people are down and out and they're feeling alienated. We need to be able to touch their lives. We need to be able to help them to to get on their feet, to make wise decisions and choices, and to help them to learn how to survive in this world that is chaotic and broken. We need to have the ability to not only have that compassionate care, but also uh, the avenues and the venues to be able to teach them how to survive. Give them tools and resources and help to combat not only Satan, but how dark the world is. And we need to make sure that we offer unconditional love and grace and forgiveness. Because as we come into this body of of faith and they give their life to Christ, they're probably not going to be perfect. Because right now there's not a one of us who is but we give grace and we reach out and we lift them up and we encourage them my friends we need to do that to each other as well back a few weeks ago i told you about my friend tim comiford that i i went to my freshman year of college with tim Cummerford, his wife Lori. Uh, they had some needs. She was going into surgery. They ultimately had to to go and and amputate one leg, Then they had to go in and amputate that leg more because of the of the life-threatening um, uh, infections, multiple infections she had. They had uh, transportation needs. They had no vehicle. They were going to have to move out of out of the place where they were because it was an upstairs room they were living in, and she could not wanna, uh, go through that. Well, a couple things I'm happy to, 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 to say is that through some folks in this church, we were able to provide them transportation, and I can't tell you how that made Tim feel. Last night, I got a picture of his wife, Lori, from, from, uh, from Tim, and here she was, she was. She was out of the hospital bed. She was on crutches, and you could see her prosthetic leg starting to begin to go through therapy i asked him i said what about the infections he said oh she is still dealing with two major infections he said look at my beautiful bride you know when we reach out to touch the lives of people it makes a difference in their lives Now, tim and his wife they live all the way down in chandler they're they're not going to be attending here but Does that matter to God? (laughs) No, we're to be a church that reaches out because, you know, we have this idea that ministry and missions goes around the world. Um, We gave last year as a church something like $149,000 in our missions uh, giving around the world through various ministries that we have, through our missions committee and our our giving through the cooperative program and our special offerings for the different mission-sending agencies, you know, that's a lot of money. But it shows that this church cares. We strive to meet those needs, but let me tell you, we've got to continue. We've got to do everything we can to continue to meet those needs because as the days go on in this community... There are going to be more and more needs. There's loneliness here, and in, in our whole region. And as people living in this community or outside of this community, we have neighbors. We have people that we we can invest in, and that's what what God wants us to do. A church that feels like home is a church that is God-centered. It's a church that is sacred. It's a church that meets the needs of people, both in the realm spiritually through salvation, but also in their physical and emotional needs. I think a church, to meet those needs, we have to become selfless on our part and take Christ's attitude of servanthood and take time to get to know, really know the people that come to this church and the people that are in our communities. To really take time. In addition, I think this body of believers. You need to let people minister to you from this body as well. Sometimes, as the body of Christ, I challenge you and I encourage you, let's reach out, let's do everything we can to compassionately care for people. But don't forget that you're a people too. (laughs) You have needs. And so don't, don't let yourself Close down or build those barriers. Open yourself up to people that you trust and care about and people that care about you and make sure that your needs are ministered to as well. It's hard because most of us that are very involved in ministry uh, pretty much don't think that we need to be touched and encouraged. But every one of us need to be. I can only imagine Before Jesus began his journey that last week, that when he was with the disciples and that alabaster jar of perfume was broken, and here was this woman who took that perfume and put it on his feet and wiped it with her hair, how that ministered to him. Yes, we know Judas in particular, some other disciples most likely, they said, oh, what a waste. But you know, we need to take time to touch the lives of those within the body. Because it ministers, it encourages, it strengthens, it inspires, it energizes. And that health Spiritual health is returned to where we can be right back in the desire to do the things that God wants us to do. So, friends, we are surrounded by people who feel isolated, as I said, and alone. Uh, Information that we can give, it's not going to satisfy the emptiness inside of them. The programs that we have, the technology that we have, quite frankly, if they are hurting inside, it's not going to help a whole lot. They're looking for something that's real. They're looking for a community that shows people everywhere that as the believers in Jesus Christ, as Christ's disciples, that we love each other and we are able to love them and invest in them as well. And I'm wondering this morning if you might be willing to commit to be a part of that body of Christ, that kind of place, who says, I'm willing to make this church a place that feels like home want to make this place a god-centered place a sacred place and a place that meets the needs of people father as we move of invitation i specifically ask you to help us to go back to ephesians 2 and come back with the understanding that we are part of god's own household god your household your house your home your family we're family even as different as we are, but Father, we're family, and we want to be a place that feels like home, your home. And I pray this morning, whatever decision needs to be made to get us to that place as individuals, as do that. For those that want to come and be a part of this family, we ask you, Father, to touch their hearts and have them come. And this morning, God, for those who would like to give their life to you, I pray that this morning Choose to accept your son Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would to stand, and we're going to sing our invitation hymn and encourage you. Whatever decision, whatever decision you have, you come ahead.
2: Jesus is Savior. And Lord.
1: you go ahead and be seated if you would. It is so good to have Miss Marilyn back with us today after her surgery. Yeah. Well, thank you Marilyn. I know that you are still going through a lot of physical therapy. We appreciate your tenacity. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think Marilyn has set a record for recovery from shoulder replacement surgery but we are thrilled to have her back. On the backside of your bulletin this morning, you'll notice some upcoming activities. I want to draw your attention to those. Lunch and a movie, matinee, that's on August the 26th at 12.30. We need to know if you're planning to come for lunch, and there is a $5 cost for that. Men's breakfast on Tuesday, September the 7th at 8.00. Breakfast is $3, and reservations are needed. And then Partners on Mission fried chicken dinner on Wednesday, September 8th. Are you seeing a pattern there? There are sign-up sheets on the breezeway table as well as on the counter out in the main lobby for you to sign up indicating you are coming to one or all of those, or you may call the church office Monday through Thursday, 8 to 4. Single Only Sisters... You will be meeting this Thursday at 10.30. For those ladies who are single, and you will enjoy being together. If you want more information, call Nelda Stites or Jane McLeod. That's this coming Thursday at
1: 10.30. This morning, we have uh, Orlin and Phyllis Olson. Would you guys mind stepping right up here? And I forget which Bible study class you have been in today ambassadors there we are thanks bill (laughs) I'm not quite used to the choir being back (laughs) okay the Olsons uh, we've had a couple of of good uh, good conversations over the last couple of weeks and uh, just delightful delightful folks actually you guys have lived in the region for was it 18 In 98, okay, all right. Um, great, uh, great couple. Um, Orland's father was a pastor for many years, and uh, we've had some good conversations about that as well. They're coming today by statement, meaning that they have accepted Christ as their Savior. They have been immersed, and uh, we are so excited to have them. Just, uh, just wonderful folks. All in favor of accepting them. If you'd show them by the si- that by the sign I, please. You're against that sign no? All right. Boy, that was a close one, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Can I say one thing? Absolutely. I'm not sure. Sh- let me get a microphone here real quick. Well, but not everybody can hear loud. Hang on just one, one second. Okay. This one right here? Yeah. All right.
0: I just want to thank you all of you you know the first sunday we came the first sunday uh, gail coffee came to our house that first day with a lovely welcome gift and i so appreciated that but we have felt so welcome in this church and we thank you for that and we stand here because of that and we just wish to worship with you
1: Thank you, Phyllis. We so appreciate that. And just a moment
0: our folks.